Flower Emporium, with its colourful hanging baskets and highly prized Interflora franchise. After that, there were a few more flat-fronted cottages and a small rank of empty shops that used to belong to Stan the Butcher, Goldie the Greengrocer and Felicity the Seamstress. Now, Felicity ran up curtains and designed the odd wedding dress at home, while Stan presided over the meat counter at the local Tesco, and Goldie laboured for a landscape gardener. While Hollywood was definitely a pleasant village, with its enticing cobbled enclaves, and a claim to having once given refuge to a fleeing King Charles, the hiding place itself was so secret that even the locals didn't seem to know where it actually was. It wasn't appealing enough to tempt many tourists from the county's more exotic offerings, such as those at Glastonbury, Wells and Cheddar. However, the village sign, about a mile outside the village itself, was often photographed by venturesome ramblers and holidaymakers, who seemed to enjoy the idea of stumbling upon such a quaint little signpost with lofty and glamorous pretensions in the heart of the English countryside. Though the Hollywood residents were, on the whole, a friendly bunch, they generally preferred tourists to take their snapshots and be on their way, because they didn't much welcome being stared at, or asked which films they'd starred in, or where George Clooney lived, followed by snorts of laughter, as if the joke had never been made before. In fact... They didn't much care for being fussed about by outsiders at all, especially those who tried to change things or tell them how to run their lives. Some interference they couldn't avoid, such as bossy county councillors with their befuddling recycling rules and even more bizarre pots of yellow paint to prevent parking in the high street, an imposition that was universally and rigorously ignored. The residents of Hollywood prided themselves on being a successful, self-regulating community with a vigilant neighbourhood watch scheme, a highly efficient chauffeur service for the elderly and infirm, paid for by weekly door-to-door -door collections carried out by the guides and brownies, and an environmental awareness, once the confusion about bins was resolved, that had earned them some very high praise in Fossway magazine and The Buzz, two oracles of great local standing. On the day Alicia Carlyle drove towards the village, a lone car weaving through the lush green flow of the countryside with a small suitcase and a laptop computer on the back seat of her second-hand Renault and a rawness in her heart too tender to touch. There were no indications of what was to come. The summery stillness was as smooth and unshakable as a painting, and she was only focused on trying to empty her mind of what she'd left behind. What awaited her, after a prolonged absence, not of her choosing, could be worse, but she wasn't going to think about that either. She was simply going to continue her journey keeping her eyes on the road and her thoughts skimming over easy issues, such as the need to pick up some milk when she reached the village 
and how wonderfully familiar and welcoming everything looked in the generous sparkle of the sunlight. Alicia was tall, very slim, with long crinkly fair hair that flowed down her back in a tangle of bouncy coils. Her eyes were pale blue, as clear and inviting, Craig used to say, as a tropical sea before it reached the shore. They make me want to wade in so I can get even closer to you and maybe find out what's hidden in the darkest depths. She smiled as she recalled the words. Then her lips shook and tightened as grief threw its black cloak over the memory. She hadn't any secrets back then, and as far as she knew, nor had he. Alicia's large ruby red.